Chapter 11 of Dinosaurs, with special reference to the American Museum Collections, by William Diller Matthew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Smith, New Orleans, Louisiana. Chapter 11, Part 2. The Dinosaurs of the Bone Cabin Quarry, by Henry Fairfield Osborne one is often asked the questions how do you find fossils how do you know where to look for them one of the charms of the fossil hunter's life is the variety the element of certainty combined with the gambling element of chance like the prospector for gold the fossil hunter may pass suddenly from the extreme of dejection to the extreme of elation luck comes in a variety of ways sometimes as the result of prolonged and deliberate scientific search in a region which is known to be fossiliferous sometimes in such a prosaic manner as the digging of a well among discoveries of a highly suggestive, almost romantic kind, perhaps none is more remarkable than the one I shall now describe. Discovery of the Great Dinosaur Quarry In central Wyoming, at the head of a draw or small valley, not far from the Medicine Bow River, lies the ruin of a small and unique building, which marks the site of the greatest find of extinct animals made in a single locality in any part of the world. The fortunate fossil hunter who stumbled on this site was Mr. Walter Granger of the American Museum Expedition of 1897. In the spring of 1898, as I approached the hillock on which the ruin stands, I observed among the beautiful flowers, the blooming cacti, and the dwarf bushes of the desert what were apparently numbers of dark brown boulders. On closer examination, it proved that there is really not a single rock, hardly even a pebble, on this hillock. All these apparent boulders are ponderous fossils which have slowly accumulated or washed out on the surface from a great dinosaur bed beneath. A Mexican sheep herder had collected some of these petrified bones for the foundations of his cabin, the first ever built of such strange materials. The excavation of a promising outcrop was almost immediately rewarded by finding a thigh bone nearly six feet in length, which sloped downward into the earth, running into the lower leg and finally into the foot, with all the respective parts lying in the natural position as in life. This proved to be the previously unknown hind limb of the great dinosaur Diplodocus. In this manner, the bone cabin quarry was discovered and christened. The total contents of the quarry are represented in the diagram. It has given us, by dint of six successive years of hard work, the materials for an almost complete revival of the life of the Laramie region as it was in the days of the dinosaurs. 
by the aid of workmen of every degree of skill by grace of the accumulated wisdom of the nineteenth century by the constructive imagination by the aid of the sculptor and the artist we can summon these living forms and the living environment from the vasty deep of the past the famous como bluffs the circumstances leading up to our discovery serve to introduce the story from 1890 to 1897 we had been steadily delving into the history of the age of mammals in deposits dating from 200,000 to 3 million years back as we rudely estimate geological time in the course of seven years such substantial progress had been made that i decided to push into the history of the age of reptiles also and following the pioneers marsh and cope to begin exploration in the period which at once marks the dawn of mammalian life and the climax of the evolution of the great amphibious dinosaurs in the spring of 1897 we accordingly began exploration in the heart of the laramie plains on the como bluffs on arrival we found numbers of massive bones strewn along the base of these bluffs tumbled from their stratum above too weather-worn to attract collectors and serving only to remind one of the time when these animals the greatest by far that nature has ever produced on land were monarchs of the world aroused from sleep on a clear evening in camp by the heavy rumble of a passing union pacific freight train i shall never forget my meditations on the contrast between the imaginary picture of the great age of dinosaurs fertile in cycads and in a wonderful variety of reptiles and the present age of steam of heavy locomotives toiling through the semi-arid and partly desert laramie plains footnote at this time the union pacific railroad directly passed the bluffs in the recent improvement of the grade the main line has been moved to the south hfo end of footnote so many animals had already been removed from these bluffs that we were not very sanguine of finding more but after a fortnight our prospecting was rewarded by finding parts of skeletons of the long-limbed dinosaur diplodocus and of the heavy-limbed dinosaur brontosaurus the whole summer was occupied in taking these animals out for shipment to the east the so-called plaster method of removal being applied with the greatest success briefly this is a surgical device applied on a large scale for the setting of the much fractured bones of a fossilized skeleton it consists in setting great blocks of the skeleton stone and all in a firm capsule of plaster subsequently reinforced by great splints of wood firmly drawn together with wet rawhide 
the object is to keep all the fragments and splinters of bone together until it can reach the skillful hands of the museum preparator the rock waves connecting the bluffs and the quarry the como bluffs are about ten miles south of the bone cabin quarry between them is a broad stretch of the laramie plains the exposed bone layer in the two localities is of the same age and originally was a continuous level stratum which may be designated as the dinosaur beds but this stratum disturbed and crowded by the uplifting of the not far distant laramie range of mountains and the freeze-out hills was thrown into a number of great folds or rock waves large portions especially of the upfolds or anticlines of the waves have been subsequently removed by erosion the edges of these upfolds have been exposed thus weathering out their fossilized contents while downfolds are still buried beneath the earth for the explorers of coming centuries therefore as one rides across the country today from the bluffs to the quarry startling the intensely modern fauna the prong-horned antelopes jackrabbits and sage chickens he is passing over a vast graveyard which has been profoundly folded and otherwise shaken up and disturbed sometimes one finds the bone layer removed entirely sometimes horizontal sometimes oblique and again dipping directly into the heart of the earth this layer dinosaur beds is not more than 274 feet in thickness and is altogether of freshwater origin but as a proof of the oscillations of the earth level both before and after this great thin sheet of freshwater rock was so widely spread there are evidences of the previous invasion of the sea ichthyosaur beds and of the subsequent invasion of the sea monosaur beds in the whole rocky mountain region in traveling through the west when once one has grasped the idea of continental oscillation or submergence and emergence of the land of the sequence of the marine and freshwater deposits in laying down these pages of earth history he will know exactly where to look for this wonderful layer bed of the giant dinosaurs he will find that owing to the uplift of various mountain ranges it outcrops along the entire eastern face of the rockies around the black hills and in all parts of the laramie plains it yields dinosaur bones everywhere but by no means so profusely or so perfectly as in the two famous localities we are describing how the skeletons lie in the bluffs and quarry at the bluffs single animals lie from twenty to one hundred feet apart one rarely finds a whole skeleton such as that of marsh's brontosaurus excelsus 
the finest specimen ever secured here which is now one of the treasures of the yale museum more frequently a half or a third of a skeleton lies together in the bone cabin quarry on the other hand we came across a veritable noah's ark deposit a perfect museum of all the animals of the period here are the largest of the giant dinosaurs closely mingled with the remains of the smaller but powerful carnivorous dinosaurs which preyed upon them also those of the slow and heavy moving armored dinosaurs of the period as well as of the lightest and most bird-like of the dinosaurs finely rounded complete limbs from eight to ten feet in length are found especially those of the carnivorous dinosaurs perfect even to the sharply pointed and recurved tips of their toes other limbs and bones are so crushed and distorted by pressure that it is not worth while removing them sixteen series of vertebrae were found strung together among these were eight long strings of tailbones the occurrence of these tails is less surprising when we come to study the important and varied functions of the tail in these animals and the consequent connection of the tailbones by means of stout tendons and ligaments which held them together for a long period after death skulls are fragile and rare in the quarry because in every one of these big skeletons there were no fewer than ninety distinct bones which exceeded the head in size the excess in most cases being enormous the bluffs appear to represent the region of an ancient shoreline such conditions as we have depicted in the restoration of brontosaurus the sloping banks of a muddy estuary or of a lagoon either bare tidal flats or covered with vegetation evidently the dinosaurs were buried at or near the spot where they perished the bone cabin quarry deposit represents entirely different conditions the theory that it is the accumulation of a flood is in my opinion improbable because a flood would tend to bring entire skeletons down together distribute them widely and bury them rapidly a more likely theory is that this was the area of an old river bar which in its shallow waters arrested the more or less decomposed and scattered carcasses which had slowly drifted downstream toward it including a great variety of dinosaurs crocodiles and turtles collected from many points upstream thus were brought together the animals of a whole region a fact which vastly enhances the interest of this deposit the giant herbivorous dinosaurs by far the most imposing of these animals are those which may be popularly designated as the great or giant dinosaurs the name derived from dinos terrible and sorrows lizard 
refers to the fact that they appeared externally like enormous lizards with very long limbs necks and tails they were actually remotely related to the tuatera lizard of new zealand and still more remotely to the true lizards no land animals have ever approached these giant dinosaurs in size and naturally the first point of interest is the architecture of the skeleton the backbone is indeed a marvel the fitness of the construction consists like that of the american truss bridge in attaining the maximum of strength with the minimum of weight it is brought about by dispensing with every cubic millimeter of bone which can be spared without weakening the vertebrae for the various stresses and strains to which they were subjected and these must have been tremendous in an animal from sixty to seventy feet in length the bodies of the vertebrae are of hourglass shape with great lateral and interior cavities the arches are constructed on the t-iron principle of the modern bridge builder the back spines are tubular the interior is spongy these devices being employed in great variety and constituting a mechanical triumph of size lightness and strength combined comparing a great chambered dinosaurian camarasaurus vertebra see above with the weight per cubic inch of an ostrich vertebra we reach the astonishing conclusion that it weighed only 21 pounds or half the weight of a whale vertebra of the same bulk the skeleton of a whale 74 feet in length has recently been found by mr f a lucas of the brooklyn museum to weigh seventeen thousand nine hundred and twenty pounds the skeleton of a dinosaur of the same length may be roughly estimated as not exceeding ten thousand pounds proofs of rapid movements on land lightness of skeleton is a walking or running or flying adaptation and not at all a swimming one a swimming animal needs gravity in its skeleton because sufficient buoyancy in the water is always afforded by the lungs and soft tissues of the body the extraordinary lightness of these dinosaur vertebrae may therefore be put forward as proof of supreme fitness for the propulsion of an enormous frame during occasional incursions upon land there are additional facts which point to land progression such as the point in the tail where the flexible structure suddenly becomes rigid as shown in the diagram of vertebrae below the component joints are so solid and flattened on the lower surface that they seem to demonstrate fitness to support partly the body in a tripodal position like that of a kangaroo 
I have therefore hazarded the view that even some of these enormous dinosaurs were capable of raising themselves on their hind limbs, lightly resting on the middle portion of the tail. In such a position, the animal would have been capable not only of browsing among the higher branches of trees, but of defending itself against the carnivorous dinosaurs by using its relatively short but heavy front limbs to ward off attacks. There are also indications of aquatic habits in some of the giant dinosaurs, which render it probable that a considerable part of their life was led in the water. One of these indications is the backward position of the nostrils. Many, but not all, water-living mammals and reptiles have the nostrils on top of the head, in order to breathe more readily when the head is partly immersed. Another fact of note, although perhaps less conclusive, is the fitness of the tail for use while moving about in the water, if not in rapid swimming. The great tail, measuring from 28 to 30 feet, was one of the most remarkable structures in these animals, and undoubtedly served a great variety of purposes, propelling while in the water, balancing and supporting and defending while on land. In Diplodocus, it was most perfectly developed from its muscular base to its delicate and whip-like tip, perhaps for all these functions. The Three Kinds of Giant Dinosaurs It is very remarkable that three distinct kinds of these great dinosaurs lived at the same time in the same general region, as proved by the fact that their remains are freely commingled in the quarry. What were the differences in food and habits, in structure and in gait? which prevented that direct and active competition between like types in the struggle for existence which, in the course of nature, always leads to the extermination of one or the other type. In the last three years we have discovered very considerable differences of structure which make it appear that these animals, while of the same or nearly the same linear dimensions, did not enter into direct competition, either for food or for territory. The dinosaur named Diplodocus by Marsh is the most completely known of the three. Our very first discovery in the Bone Cabin Quarry gave us the hint that Diplodocus was distinguished by relatively long, slender limbs, and that it may be popularly known as the long-limbed dinosaur. The great skeleton found in the Como Bluffs enabled me to restore, for the first time, the posterior half of one of these animals, estimated as sixty feet in length the hips and tail especially being in a perfect state of preservation. A larger animal, nearer 70 feet in length, including the anterior half of the body, and still more complete, was discovered about 10 miles north of the quarry and is now in the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh. 
combined these two animals have furnished a complete knowledge of the great bony frame the head is only two feet long and is therefore small out of all proportion to the great body the neck measures twenty-one feet four inches and is by far the longest and largest neck known in any animal living or extinct the back is relatively short measuring ten feet eight inches the vertebrae of the hip measure two feet and three inches the tail measures from thirty-two to forty feet we thus obtain as a moderate estimate of the total length of the animal sixty-eight to seventy feet the restored skeleton published by mr j b hatcher in july nineteen o one and partly embodying our results gave to science the first really accurate knowledge of the length of these animals which hitherto had been greatly overestimated the highest point in the body was above the hips here in fact was the center of power and motion because as observed above the tail fairly balanced the anterior part of the body the restoration by mr knight is drawn from a very careful model made under my direction in which the proportions of the animal are precisely estimated it is i think accurate for a restoration as well as interesting and up-to-date these restorations are the working hypotheses of our science they express the present state of our knowledge and being subject to modification by future discoveries are liable to constant change by contrast the second type of giant dinosaur the brontosaurus or thundersaurian of marsh as shown in the restoration was far more massive in structure and relatively shorter in body five more or less complete skeletons are now to be seen in the yale american carnegie and field columbian museums in 1898 we discovered in the bluffs about three miles west of the bone cabin quarry the largest of these animals which has yet been found it was worked out with great care and is now being restored and mounted complete in the american museum the thigh bone is enormous measuring five feet eight inches in length and is relatively of greater mass than that of diplodocus the neck chest hips and tail are correspondingly massive the neck is relatively shorter however measuring eighteen feet while in diplodocus it measures over twenty one feet the total length of this massive specimen is estimated at sixty three feet or from six to eight feet less than the largest long-limbed dinosaur the height of the skeleton at the hips is fifteen feet there is less direct evidence that the thundersaurian had the power of raising its forequarters in the air than in the case of the light-limbed saurian because no bend or supporting point in the tail has been distinctly observed 
the third type of giant dinosaur is the less completely known chambered saurian the camarasaurus of cope or morosaurus of marsh an animal more quadrupedal in gait or walking more habitually on all fours like the great cediosaurus or whale saurian discovered near oxford england with its shorter tail and heavier forelimbs it is still less probable that this animal had the power of raising the anterior part of its body from the ground of a related type perhaps is the largest dinosaur ever found this is the brachiosaurus limb bones of which were discovered in central colorado in 1901 and are now preserved in the field columbian museum of chicago its thigh bone is six feet eight inches in length and its upper arm bone or humerus is even slightly longer end of chapter 11 part 2